welcome, welcome. Another episode of our Footy Fantasy Podcast. Uh, I guess it's the London Derby Arsenal Chelsea review. And for this one, we had to bring out the the big guns, the big dons. <laughs> uh, the Arsenal guest, Toby, it's been a while. This is, I think it's your first time this year, right? On the pod? Yeah, I think I think it's first time this year. I crashed one of your calls though with Samuel. I don't know that's, if that was the that's, preview. That's not preview. You crashed it. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks yeah. for coming on, Toby. Anytime. The OG Gunner. That's what I'll call you. Uh Prize Lord, Chelsea fan, regular guest, regular member, unofficial member, size lord, Chelsea fan. What's good? What's good? Okay, before we go into the topics, YouTube, Footy Fantasy, let's do quick admin. Uh, we're, st we're still trying to grow, road to 500. Twitter, Footy 80 Fantasy, road to 1.5K. Instagram, uh, Fantasy Footy. Like, share, subscribe to all our socials while you're here. Uh, Chelsea Arsenal review. Lots of, I think lots of things to talk about here. Very interesting game. And they're 2-2. Two -two. Um, I probably should let me even update that while we talk about this. Uh, Chelsea's the home team. Dada, so I have some talking points, but I'll let you guys give your quick thoughts. Let's start with the home team. Dada, how did you see that game yesterday? Um, man, you know what? It's not even a game of uh, two hours. It was more of a game of uh, four quarters. And I think Chelsea dominated three and then Arsenal won. Uh, I'll start off with coming into that game, you know, as, as I mean, as a fan, you always, you're very optimistic about your team's performance. But I think in the past few years, let's not kid ourselves, the pendulum has swung towards Arsenal as sort of the, the dominant team in that feature. Uh, so you really, you know, a lot of Chelsea fans were probably expecting uh, maybe, you know, an Arsenal win with a decent Chelsea performance. But in the first 15 minutes of that game, it was quite clear that you know, this was not going to be the same narrative as we've seen in the last two meetings of both teams. So after the penalty, it was really looking like, you know, okay, Arsenal would have to do a lot to get back into the game. Uh, I think I thought Pochettino got his team selection right. He, he set the team up properly. Uh, uh, probably, uh, properly. It caught up the channels on the wings that Arsenal really relied upon. And then Chelsea really controlled the midfield, right? So, I mean, for the best, better part of the game, Saka was almost not in the game at all. And I think that was due to how, you know, uh, Pochettino really set up the team on on, on the flanks, uh, making sure that Cucurella, um tracked back properly and had Saka in his pocket. So, overall, tactically, I was really pleased with what I saw. I was pleased with the performance. Uh, we did well in the midfield. Um, uh, Casado did a good job of tracking back, really protecting the back four. So, you know, from that perspective, Chelsea really, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I was really surprised about how well we showed up. So, overall, I thought, you know, everything was good. And then when we were to go up by, you know, the fortuitous cross from Modric, I, I felt like Chelsea should have scored another goal to really, um, you know, close off the game. And that really highlights one of our flaws is, you know, in the goal scoring position. I mean, there were some opportunities that we had that a blind Hallard or even an injured Gabriel Issues would have scored that to make it 3-0 and it would have been game over, right? So we didn't take our chances when we needed to. 
but you know, overall, you, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like old Austin fans that take pride on performances because that's always been their mantra. So I'm not going to go there. But to a certain extent, it was a good performance from Chelsea. Ideally, we should have taken the three points. But um, yeah, really that game, even though it's a draw, it very, it very much felt like a, uh, a defeat. But I'll, I'll pause there and I'll let Toby uh, make, his, make his point. <laughs> Before Toby make, makes his points, you know, anybody out there, everybody out there, two points, hold tight, two point collectors. You know? Very few teams collected two points this week. So, uh, Toby, let's hear from the Arsenal. Thanks. Game. I mean, I, if, you, if you didn't collect three points against the 20th team in the league, when will you collect three points? But let's leave that aside. Hey. Um, Two points. That's yeah. Anyway, I think um, I, I don't necessarily disagree with everything that I said. I think I think some of it was correct, and it's all about how you see football, right? So, for me, I, I, I see. So take a take a step back. When I called, when I started watching the game, I, was out. So I missed most of the first half. So I caught the second half, and then I went back and I watched the entire game again. There's some a lot of echo. I watched the entire game again later on with no with no stress. Like, let me go back and watch this game because they always come on this podcast. A couple of things were clear. I think Pochettino's got his his tactics spot on in the first half, which was I am going to gum up this midfield and not have a striker. Yes, Palmer was supposed to be a striker, but he wasn't up front. No. And I'm going to deny Arsenal their passing lanes, and I'm going to have a lot of ball carriers so that when Arsenal loses possession, I have people that can run with the ball. And so that physicality of folks who could run with the ball, if you look at Chelsea's players, Gallagher is, I call players like Gallagher, you know, like they have a lot of, they're very, very mobile. Yeah. Fernandez, mobile. Caicedo, mobile. Sterling was very mobile. Um, Palmer, too, was, was very, very mobile. But the point was you had, you had athleticism in the center of the park and you were like, and then you had the num you had a man advantage because there was no no striker, right? It was basically strikerless for the first half. And so I think Ateta, you know, and credit to Pochettino for setting up a team that way. But I think that Ateta should have seen that from like the first five minutes and made a change. We went to what we've what we've not done this season, which is remove Rice from the midfield, our most dominant player that can win the ball back, put him in a left eight, and play the, our slowest player. Jorginho as the lone six, hoping that Zinchenko can come and help him. He put Jorginho and Zinchenko in the middle of the pitch against runners like Gallagher, um, Caicedo, Fernandez. There's only one winner, especially when you have the man advantage and you drop Palmer in there to, 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 to win the ball. So if you watch, so for me watching that game, I was like, okay, it's obvious what's wrong. Like they've, they have a man advantage in midfield and you have your slowest player like Jorginho, which you're hoping he can play the ball forward. And he did a few times. But the point was the battle was a physical running battle. And Arsenal had left all their runners off the pitch or put them in the wrong positions. So I felt that that was a, you know, tactical win from Pochettino. But also a like, okay, Ateta, yes. But obviously Chelsea came out with, this was a derby for them that they were like, we're not going to lose. We are going to come all out. And Arsenal was still on World Cup or international break. You know, I can list all the Arsenal players that didn't even show up at all. And there are a lot of them that were not ready for that intensity. And what we know about 
the league is every game is if you're not 100% winning those second balls, you're not there. It doesn't matter how talented you are. You're not going to have the space to play. So kudos to Chelsea for, you know, bringing their vibrant legs into midfield and gumming up the works. And that's literally what happened. And then, the you know, obviously the penalty call is questionable. I, I don't want to be one person that harps on it. I think by the letter of the law, you wouldn't complain. But I've seen a lot of players come out and say, if that's what the penalty is now, then, you know, everything is almost going to be a penalty. And so the problem is, is, is the way the law was written. Sorry, what did you say? I said I was a clear on ball. It was like he stretched. It was no, like he stretched. Stretch so, okay, let me finish. Let me. Okay, I let you talk. So he jumped for the ball. His hand was literally the same place where um, Modric's hand was. There's literally a screenshot that shows Modric heading the ball with one hand like this, and this guy dropping one hand like this. And so, it, to me, I didn't complain when it happened. I was like, ah, it hit his hand, but whether. It, there's a question of handball and penalty. Two different things. The ball can hit your hand if it's not in a natural position and it's not a penalty. So, yes, it did hit his hand. Nobody's denying that. But the reason why the ref or the linesman didn't give it is because they felt it wasn't worthy to be called a penalty. Now, VAR is rewriting the rules and they're just going back to look at certain incidents and certain incidents they're not looking at. I, to me, it didn't matter, right? Fine, Chelsea went a goal up. But all in all, to me, it didn't really change the fact the, the game. I mean, there was a similar penalty that was given, I think, yesterday. So if they're going to be giving that, defenders are going to go figure out what they need to do. And so for me, it was Chelsea came up with a good plan, stopped Arsenal from playing. Arsenal were not ready. Our formation and our personnel, whatever tactics Mikel had in mind, it was clear. It was nullified by Chelsea, you know, the formation Chelsea played. And we didn't react quick enough to change anything till the seventh, fifth minute where we said, okay, Rice, go back into the middle and, um, you know, took Odegaard, who was on vacation, who didn't do anything off, right? So, so for me, it was just, we didn't start the game right. Chelsea started it correctly. Kudos to them. Kudos to Pochettino. Good, good tactics. And ultimately, I think a draw was more than fair to Chelsea because they had two fluke goals. And, you know, we'll take it, a draw away from home in the London yeah. Derby where we didn't play our best. I'll was that it. a dig? I will spank them. A draw spank them they, we'll, we'll spank them properly when they come to the Emirates. It's not. It's not a big deal. It's fine. We're good. Uh, and then you, you spank us properly, and then you you be on your way to winning the title. Congratulations! No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. It's a point away from home. It's not every season we beat Chelsea home and away. We did it last season. For any player to just think you have a right to win a game, that's why I don't understand some Arsenal fans. I'm like, you do realize there's your position. Who has to play to you? And sometimes the opposition is going to make it hard for you, or sometimes they're going to be better than you. So for me, this season, that's the point I would take. I, would, I wouldn't have taken it before the game if you look at Chelsea's form. But if you look at Chelsea's players, I was one of the people that told people, like, look, you have Caicedo and um, Enzo in the midfield. That's the running battle. And we didn't set up with runners till later on. Okay. Henry, Arsenal fan, Henry. I think I muted you already, so you can... Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I saw you shake your head when you were talking about the handball. So it seems like you have different opinions. So tell us another opinion, Shab. Yeah. So my opinion. So you want me to talk about that incident or just overall? Oh, overall. It's, it's okay. Cool. So I'll just first talk about the incident. The incident is that both of them have a point. Toby has a point. Dada has a point. I think Toby's point is that the hand 
you you know because he was jumping hardly is it that you, you you're jumping to head a ball that your hand you wouldn't use your hand sort of like for support so with that point toby is correct now the point probably data is making is it's not a natural position where your hands should be but again this is these are all subjects there are nuances to this right in that instance if you're jumping as a defender you're, you're jumping i mean I, hardly will you see any defender that is jumping and then the hands are not up Anyways, it is what it is. Um, yesterday's game, I think, was a little bit tricky. Um, I, I just think Arsenal were very sloppy, and I want to tie that to probably the, the break. Um, you saw Arsenal misplaced passes, very un unlike us. Um, they were very lethargic in mis midfield. I also think, you know, Pochettino just sort of um, sort of outmaneuvered or outcoached uh, Ateta with the way, you know, the selection of his players because that midfield, I, I, we, didn't, we didn't hold up to par with that midfield. They used a lot of their wings. Um, to me, I don't even think Saka too was ready to come back to that game. Um, I think we should have just benched him, give him another, you know, and then use someone else. Yes, it would have been a good day to actually probably play Jesus on that right, and then maybe um, who's that? in Ketia to play that nine, and maybe bringing a um, Rhys Nelson as sub. But I think that wings and, and the midfield is really where the game was yesterday. And they, they outplayed us. And that's why they had really, really good um, outcomes. Now, with that said, um, I'm happy with Arsenal's resiliency. You know, it's hard beats like this that, you know, makes champions. I know we're not champions. That yeah. good. That I mean, that's why you guys will win the league, right? That, that is probably going to give me this. That was time. a, a league-winning performance. So, congrats. Yeah, and it's not, it's not, no. I mean, we beat Man City a week before. That, those are the type Exactly. Of, yeah, you beat, you beat Man City not, a league winner. Came on Tuesday against Chelsea. I mean, if you guys don't win the league this season, I'll be flawed. I didn't say we will win the league. There's still, there's still about two teams that have significantly better players than us. But what I'm what I assure you though is Arsenal is coming of age, right? It's not the old. Oh yeah, Arsenal. for sure. Yeah, it's not like the old Arsenal of, of eight years, seven years. Can ago. you mute that as Mike is what? interrupting too much, please? Why, we why not? Speak. You know, a couple of years ago, you would say we're a selling club. They will have come shopping at Arsenal. You know, garnished all our players. Why? We're not. We're not into that anymore. Things have changed. But um, that, that's my take. That's my take, though. I I, I liked how they showed up. Um, you know, that, showing that resiliency towards the end of the game. Um, and um, I hope they can just you know fix and rectify the whole issue in the midfield. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Okay, thanks. Harry, for calling. Right. Uh, so my thoughts. I'll say my thoughts. I think um, everybody has kind of hit on everything. The one thing I want to talk about. I think the whole. I think Toby mentioned. Right. I think in possession, Arsenal like, you know, I'll talk tactics. And tactics boring to a lot of people. But in possession, Arsenal do this thing where they push rice away. Especially when they play teams who have very well-structured press, right? So I think that was an intentional thing by pushing rice to the left eight. Because rice is not really good playing back to goal, right? It's not a pressure stand and DM. It's the other side of things is always good at, like, progressing the ball, winning tackles. But in possession, out of possession, he's supposed to come back in. I think there was some miscommunications there because out of position, Rice was come back in centrally, but he kept getting caught on the wing, unlike in the Man City game. Because in Man City, they were doing the same thing. The difference was in the Man City game, he was recovering quick enough to come back centrally when they lose the ball. That was just one thought. Okay, let's talk about some talking points. Goalkeeper. I think there were two goalkeeper glitches or errors, maybe, um, yesterday, I think. I think, of course, Sanchez, misplaced pass. 
and Raya. The Raya one, I think there's some debate whether it's an error, whether it's not. Uh, what are your thoughts, Dara, about the goalkeeper? So it's weird. Like Sanchez does that on average one a game, and even the Arsenal game, he did it in the, in the first half. I don't know if you guys saw that. He did it in the first half where he was out of position. But I think like Arsenal fans didn't get their foot in. The Arsenal players didn't get their foot in on time. And one of our defenders were able to recover. So he did that before. And I guarantee you, which a lot of Chelsea game, he does that. Um, I don't want to chuck that to immaturity. I, I think I really want to chuck it to more like players really knowing each other. Because you know what else does that kind of thing once in a while? It's the city goalkeeper, right? It does it. But the only difference between him and, and Sanchez is that he's been playing with his defenders uh, enough to where they know when to recover. They know, okay, yeah, he's, this guy is going to do this stupid thing in training. Let's go recover for him. And they just don't get punished as as much. Now, I feel like Chelsea being a, a team in transition or a team still getting to know each other, uh, when, as a go and also too, Sancho just doesn't have the level of confidence that um, Emerson, Emerson, that's his name, right? Uh, Anderson has, right? Edison, Edison. And yeah, so he just doesn't have that level of confidence. So, and also too, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to bash Sanchez for too, uh, for I don't want to bash him for too long. I think that's something that is going to fix individual errors. Is a is an evidence of pressure and lack of experience, and those two things just get sorted out in time. So I'm not gonna, unlike most Chelsea fans, are like oh they should they should bench him for the next game. That's not how you build confidence in goalkeepers. Goalkeepers are like strikers. They rely on confidence. They rely on you putting your, uh, your arm around them and telling them, oh, you're the man. You got this. So for me, it's just, it is what it is. It, that will get fixed. That's not a structural issue. It's more of an individual player and just a team gelling. And that's part of the growing pains of having a, of having a new team. Yeah. So it is what it is. Now, Arsenal, on the other hand, I think they can get away with doing things like that just because they've been playing together for a while. And same thing with them, too. The, the, is a relatively new goalkeeper. Uh, when you're playing from the back, that's also one of the things that, that happens, too. When you're playing from the back, there's a lot of pressure on you, and it's just a mental thing. So it is what it is. Toby, Raya, I guess you're only... It's the same question, but different angle. Raya, so, I'm there. <laughs> so I'm in the Raya camp, right? Okay. And I have a lot of good Arsenal fans that are friends of mine that are clearly in the Ramsdale camp. I'm in the Raya camp, and... I see he made one mistake yesterday, which was the pass that went to Copama. To me, that's the one mistake he made. And luckily, there wasn't a goal from it. People say he was shaky. I watched the first half again. He had so much of the ball coming back to him. Didn't put a foot wrong in the first half. Not one foot wrong. He made one mistake with the Palmer, which was in the second half, that Palmer did not, wasn't able to score. One bad pass. And then the fluke cross hit goal, which goalkeepers have said he was positioned where he was supposed to be and facing across. And Mudrik sliced the ball and it went the other direction. Mm. And people are saying it's fine. Yeah, but you see, no came out after the he game. Was the same thing. This was Onana or Toby. Mm. No, no, no. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Yes. I mean, There's nothing the I've done with that one, though. Wait, wait. But, 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 but I, don't forget that people, you asked me about Raya versus Ramsdale. Yeah. Do you know how many, do you know when that happened to Ramsdale last season? I remember. Okay. Do you know how many? Do you know Ramsdale? He had something similar happened to him this season against Fulham, mm -hmm. where Sakai gave the ball away and he was out and the ball went in. Yeah. So I told I told some Arsenal fans like people are pretending it's Allison we have on the bench, 
that they're saying right after. We don't have an Allison on the bench who, who's, let's just accept, this is the best goalkeeper in the world. But even he will make mistakes from the back. That's what people don't understand, is that when you're playing up this build-up play, where your goalkeeper is having 50 touches in one half, you're, a, a bad pass is a component of two things. One, decision-making, and two, the person receiving the pass, whether in the right mindset to receive the pass. That, that, that mistake that they say Sanchez made, what was the mistake? He found the player, played it to the player. The player, instead of running towards the ball, allowed Rice to run quicker than him. So whose mistake was it? Was it a decision? Do you blame him for deciding that, oh, that, uh, I think it was Enzo, Enzo should be smart enough Those to Enzo, come to the yeah. ball? Or should it be the mistake of decision-making that, oh, let me not give Enzo the ball because Enzo is not focusing and Rice is behind him and Rice will run from behind him and get the ball. But everyone's going to say it's the goalkeeper's mistake. So when a pass goes wrong by a goalkeeper, it's two things. Dana said it. It's either they've not developed their patterns. Like, um, Raya had a similar thing where he gave Rice a through ball against Man City because he was under pressure. So he said, okay, let me play it into space. And then Rice ran and then stopped running. And then the Man City player got the ball. So then people say, oh, it's a bad pass from Raya. But that's literally what happened in the Galatasaray game with Onana and Casemiro. That's literally what happened. He passed. It, Casemiro was coming, then stopped. Then the Galatasaray person intercepted. And people said it was, they led to the penalty and Casemiro getting sent off. Exactly. So you ask yourself, when a goalkeeper, if we're asking all these goalkeepers to play all these short, intricate passes behind them, and then one bad pass makes you say the player is wrong, your outfield players, how many bad passes is Incheco making the first half? How many bad um Odegaard made the bad pass that led to the to the fluke cross? That was an Odegaard mistake, but nobody blames a real midfielder for making a bad pass when a goalkeeper's pass doesn't go as intended. So for me, I think Raya is slightly better than Ramsdale in a few things. He's calmer and he he's probably better at decision making and probably better quicker on his feet. And he's more confident in holding the ball and waiting for the passing lane to develop. And so for me, he's playing the game Ateta wants him to play. Raya was not doing these short passes when he was at Brentford, right? Where we see all those stats where he was way better. But the manager wants to play like this. So is it that the defense learns and the midfielders learn to Dada's point and they have time and they figure out, okay, when not to do this, when not to do this? Or they do this only 40% of the time and then they figure out another solution. So for me, Raya had one mistake yesterday. Okay. And it didn't it didn't lead to a goal. Now, can he keep making a mistake because of the Ramsdale controversy, right? If they had sold Ramsdale and bought Raya, nobody would be talking, right? Literally, nobody would be saying anything. But the fact is that we have another goal. We have two goalkeepers that are really good. It's not clear. It's not that one is so much better than the other, in my view. There are aspects of Raya's game that are distinctly better than Ramsdale. And there are aspects of Ramsdale's game where you can think he can make some mad saves where you don't expect to make it. But he also falls asleep at home where he drops simple balls and you're like, how did that happen, right? When you were talking about it last year, when I came on the pod, I talked about some of Ramsdale's mistakes and how they cost us. So my point is he's playing the way the manager wants him to play, which is literally standing next to Gabriel, like the left center defender and being another option to pass. And Ramsdale is not comfortable doing that. Is it working? I mean, it's not working perfectly, but is it worse than if it was Ramsdale? It's not. I think it's actually slightly better than if it was Ramsdale that was there. So for me, yes, he had one, one error this game. Luckily, it didn't cost us. And hopefully everybody knows that 
he needs to do better and he knows he needs to do better. Now, does does Ateta need to give Ramsdale time? I think he needs to give Ramsdale time too and he needs to honour his work because for me, it's not Alisson that, it's not Alisson and Ramsdale, right? It's Ryan Ramsdale and they're both really good and none of them is doing this passing game in to perfection. So, either keep working on the training pitch or allow Ramsdale to, Ramsdale has to play this season for me. He has to play a good number of games because we have to preserve his value and for me, I think that was the best financial decision the club made was loaning Raya with the option or to buy him for 30 million because none of those, both goalkeepers are worth 60 to 70 million today. So for me, Arsenal can't lose other than all the media noise or Ramsdale, Raya, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the season, he'll figure out which is the number one and whether he sells, whether he activates Raya's clause for 30 million and sells him for 70, 80, I'm sure United is looking for a new goalkeeper, or he sells Ramsdale for 60, 70, 80 as well. And both goalkeepers were bought for 30 and 20 something million. So you now have two goalkeepers that are both good. Anyway. Okay, let's take comments. Uh, Henry says we're back. <clears throat> I bet, okay. That was on target by Nedrick. I don't know who that is. Put your name. So she's laughing at when that I was showing, I think. Okay. I think Henry's saying. Raya is also areally superior. And stats wise, Raya is slightly better. I agree. I think the last thing, or the last couple of things, Dada, Kukurela, was that a fluke, that performance? No, it's not. A, uh, Kukurela has had, what, like four good games? Okay. Uh, nah, not a fluke at all. Um, yeah. And that's what we've been seeing with Pochettino with a lot of Chelsea players who we've deemed useless. There's been a revival. Uh, no, Kukurela has actually not been a fluke at all. He's been really consistent. And that's really massive for us because a couple of seasons ago, there's been a drop in Chelsea performance when we lose Rich James, Chiwell, or a combination of both. I think we probably dropped by 30 40%. And just being able to have good backup in Gosto uh, and, and, and Kukurela, that's really, really massive for us. So, yeah, I think it's, it's showing signs of the player that we intended to buy from Brighton. And it's crazy how four games can can change the profile of a player. So yeah, not a fluke at all. He was good in this game. Uh, it was good against Fulham. And then actually, they started doing the League Cup. Can't remember who we played during the League Cup. That was a struggle, but yeah, Cucurella is on the is on the come up. Would you start him over Chiwa? You know what's interesting is the way Pochino likes to play. Cucurella might actually be. Be better because one of the things that he has stated, and the reason why I was playing Colwell as a as a makeshift left back rather than his preferred center back position is he wants fullbacks that can provide uh, support for uh, Silver. Uh, Chilwell sometimes forgets he's, he's a is a defender because he's used to that back three that Chelsea always plays, and you know he finds himself in the midfield and he's a number nine. I don't think that's what Pochettino wants for his fullbacks. He wants fullback who can go forward, but also he probably remember to, to defend. And uh, I mean, I think Kukurela had the hardest job yesterday, and that was to keep uh, Saka tamed. And I thought he did a fantastic, fantastic job doing that. Overall, it was, I mean, it was my man of the match. So, yeah, Saka skinned him like three times in the last 20 minutes. And so what? I said Saka took his lunch like three times in the last twenty minutes. Yeah, but I mean, that's yeah, okay. You put two men on. You put two men on Saka who was coming back from injury. It's fine. 
Kukurela had a no, 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 no. Like the thing is this: unless you, unless you call Saka yourself and you personally ask him, I don't care. You play them. That yes, but do you, do you see the cross? Did you call him? Did you talk assist? to him? He still got an assist. Did, did you, from your Kukurela? Yeah. Your, so, so you say so? What you're is like you, you were happy with um, Saka's performance. And yes. also, too, there's something I need to correct you about. Earlier, you said you know a lot of good Arsenal fans. That's an oxymoron. There's nothing like a good Arsenal fan. I think people. No, that's fine. I'm not even going to deign to respond to that. It's not it's worth not my, It's not worth my response. It's not good. But sorry, to answer your question, though, Kukurela is showing sign. I mean, compare Kukurela to... I mean, we almost gave him, gave him out to United for free. That's how much we did not want him. And now you look back and like, okay, that's a good decision. So it, it would be a solid, uh, it would be a solid uh, right back and left back replacement. Not like your number one, but a good replacement. So okay. Toby, why doesn't I guess blasting before we move on to our topic? Why doesn't uh, Ateta start? Uh, what's his name? Trossard. So he started him twice this season, I think. And yeah. And once was as the sole striker, and once in place of um, Martinelli. And and when he started those two games, especially when it was a sole striker, I can't remember which game that was, he, he sucked. And so then, the, yeah, he, he stunk up the place. And so the question is, what role is he best at? And I was, what's the game state that allows him to shine? Yeah. So don't forget, we haven't had Arsenal hasn't had all their top three attackers like Saka. This was the first game that Martinelli, Jesus, and Saka actually started, and um, Saka was just coming off injury. Ateta said before the game, he's he's rushing to be fit for the game. He really wants to play the game. We shall see. I don't think I don't think he was. I mean, obviously, if you're out for two weeks and you just train, there's much sharpness. I think physically he was fine. It was more about is he match ready for a high intensity game? Now, so I don't yeah, think he wasn't really injured. We knew that. We knew I take up, I take up. No, no, he was injured. Ready, pull, pull him out from. No, 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 he was injured. No, 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 no. No, he was injured. No, that that if, I, I'll bash Ateta for playing him against Lens for like any day long. And you know me, I'm not. I I was number one Ateta out, so I will criticize him if I need to. But I do think that Trossard brings certain things to a game, but. To be honest, Martinelli strikes fear into every single right back and pins that right back, so they can't do anything. So that's a useful talent to have. I just think the question is what's his best position and what's the game state you bring him in to be more effective. So remember, everyone is playing early on in the season, we're all playing 100 minutes. Now, for whatever reason, EPL reps have decided it's no longer 100 minutes. So now it's starting, every game is not like 95, 96 minutes, which is stupid because nobody has to make 100 minutes to start with. So now, What's your game state? Is it first half, second half, and then minute 70, you bring on fresh legs? Because they have five subs. So I think Trossard is a... I have him as... For me, for him to have a good season, I need him to score 10 goals this season and have like six, seven assists. And so I think he's going to be a very, very good player. The question is the profile and the opposition. So I think you either go with pace with Martinelli or you go with more of a player that can combine, Right. And that's more of a trossard. But if you don't have your link-up player, if you don't have Jesus there, I'm sorry, Eddie's not Eddie's not going to make trossard play well. He's not going to make trossard play well. Eddie is tries to make Eddie play well. So that's the problem: is is how you what what phase of game you bring him in and who you bring him in to play with. 
And so that's why he doesn't always start. But would he get minutes? Oh, you get a ton of minutes this year. This for sure, because he can also play as a false nine. We did it once, it didn't really work. I think it was Palace. I can't remember who we played, but he didn't. I think we even hauled him off at halftime. So, and also he's had fitness issues. The last game, the City game, was it the City? City game, he came off against, he started against City and he came off at halftime for Martinelli. And Ateta said he was injured. So he's been having some fitness issues as well. It came out later on that he, he had a hamstring issue. So I think it's a bit of both where game states, two, he's not fully fit. And then three, he's not, he will not start ahead of Martinelli nine percent of the games, but can he have a role in the team? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Let me take comments. Okay, I think it's a Kukuru Kuru, that's Varela. It's simple, he's a 90 minute player. I guess Henry agrees with you. More impactful as a sub. I don't understand why, because he's really one of Arsenal's most skilled player. Facebook user says, put your name beside the Facebook comments. I had wanted to see you all play Harvard and Jorginho together. So, you know, Massive that's a big... Massive. You know, that was a big mistake that Teta made was not... I think if he started Harvard through the middle and his Jesus on the right, we would have had an outlet to go long. We had no outlet to go long against their press. And sometimes people blame the goalkeeper. You can't keep long. Who are you kicking long to? Everybody out there is five foot five. Only Aces was able to win any balls, aerial balls. Martelli was not able to win anything, right? So sometimes your pass completion depends on who you have up front, right? So I I just look at it and I think that was it. I would have done that and I've kept Rice and I'd have kept Rice. Because I think that left it position on Arsenal this season hasn't worked for any player. It didn't work for Rice yesterday. It hasn't worked for Havertz. So Arsenal is not a team that knows what to do with that left eight position, like in terms of how impactful that player can be. So how to put in Havertz's best game have, have come when he's played through the center for Arsenal. Okay. Uh let me wrap wrap up this section with comments. Yeah they forced Martinelli back from injury in that game. I can call Saka should been on the bench, but then again hindsight is 2020. Let's move on. Uh, uh, I'm good to comment back. Let's talk about the World Cup. I mean, they announced recently that <laughs> they're going to host the World Cup. In. I, I, I think it's very interesting. FIFA wants to hold the World Cup in six countries across three continents. Specifically, I guess I'm just giving context. The first three games will be hosted in South America, Argentina, Paraguay, and Uruguay in honor for the 100 years of the World Cup, which was 1930. Then after, I think it's hosted by Morocco, Spain, and Portugal. <laughs> so I think, well, my personal opinion is, I feel like if I is reaching here, this is like, at this point, at what point I use searching for revenues that you have to put something and host a World Cup across three continents? Like, where's the logistics? Like, who thought of this idea? So, you know, and I think it's still going to be finally decided next year. But this is what they're proposing, and most likely, uh, this is what's going to happen. Uh, who, I think, which is going to call in for this? Who wants to go first? Thoughts about it? Dada, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I thought Toby was going to go first on this one. Um, I have a sense that I might be the minority here. Okay. So initially, when when I first saw it on the surface, I was like, man, this is such a bad idea. And just naturally. And then I sat back and I thought about it and asked myself, 
if the World Cup had been hosted in this manner, right? If this was what we did, if this if this was the default, and then we reverted back to one country, everyone would say, "Oh, this is a way for FIFA to marginalize countries. You know, they'll pick a favorite country to host it." So I, I so like. You know, every time we talk of FIFA, the first thing we think of is revenue and corruption, right? It's like that's the lens in which we view FIFA. And let's, I mean, let's not be mistaken. FIFA is a very corrupt organization, probably one of the most corrupt in in the world, right? So, from that perspective, I can see how this could be a way for you to get more kickbacks, for you to, you know, increase your. Because I mean, we have a lot of countries. There's a lot of ways you can game the system, right? So putting on my cynical eye, I can see that. I can also see how this can help generate multiple revenue. Now, all sentiments aside, but I do think about this just from, okay, you know, the World Cup is quote unquote a World Cup, right? It should be hosted by the world. So having multiple countries host the World Cup, I actually think it's a good idea because it allows, um, you know, different people to have a piece of the pie. Um, and also, too, you know, it just makes it more of a, a cultural event and a world event rather than just having one country or state. So I get the sentiment there. One thing I'm struggling to see, and to Aya's point, is the logistics, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if you're a country that you're playing three games, you have to fly back to another camp. You have to set up camp somewhere else. So I can see the logistical nightmare, right? So I think the first time doing it is going to be a lot of learning curves. I mean, it's going to be tough on the players because then they have to do the traveling. And also going to be tough on, on poorer countries or countries who their FA just doesn't have as much um, uh, economic backing. So I can see that angle. But just from a pure trying to be inclusive, I can, I can, see, the, I can see the reason why as well. So it, for me, it's a 50-50. Like, I get the sentiment. Makes sense. Let's be more inclusive. Will be a logistical nightmare, but after the first World Cup, once we get that experience on our belt, it could really be a good thing. Good thing going forward, right? You look at um, Morocco, Portugal, and Spain hosting it. Those countries are quite close to each other, right? You have Africa in the midst. You have Portugal. You have Spain. Folks from Europe can fly in, and those who are in North Africa can also participate in the World Cup. Uh, you know, imagine if it was just in in the United States, right? If you live in Qatar. That's to be a long, a long flight for you to take. So I can, I, I see why I think it makes sense, um, and it's not a bad idea. Okay, Toby. Um, so I, I think some of it is, you know, let's let's go back to how this started, right? I think um, the Spanish and the Portuguese said we'll submit a joint bid, yep. and I think Argent, Argentina and Uruguay said they'll submit a joint joint bid as well. So not all of it is FIFA saying, let's break this up among six countries. Um, so I do think the joint bidding makes sense because now you have more infrastructure you can work with and it allows you easier for smaller countries to data's point, it allows them to experience the World Cup. And let's be honest, America is not a country, we're a continent. Like if America hosts it, that's the same as all of Europe hosting it, right? Just from a landmass and travel perspective, right? So um, it's, you know, now Germany hosting it is like Texas hosting it, right? <laughs> right? So in a way, you say countries, but some countries are bigger and have more infrastructure than others. So I do think that the fact that some countries are asking to joint bid it is fine. 
my issue is it doesn't have to be six countries, right? You could still have this joint bid and at least keep everyone in the same hemisphere and keep everyone in the same continent and be done with it, right? Um, and that's fine because they are opening up, allowing smaller countries to participate on the group stages, you know, but but I don't understand why we'll be, um, you know, we'll be in South America and then we're going to go to Europe and then pop by in North Africa, right? Yes, even though it's close, Morocco is, you know, is 30 minutes from, from probably from, from France or 30 minutes from, from Spain by plane, but still it is three continents and, you know, visa restrictions, travel, like it's not easy for people to move around that much. So I, 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 I think it will be a mess, but I might be wrong. And FIFA is not the most organized, right? So how would they split all the revenue? Because before, all these host countries knew all this money was coming in and they had mm. time to plan and invest and build up their stadiums and do everything. Think of South Africa when they hosted it. All that money was coming in. Bam, they got a huge impact. Now you're spreading the impact along around six countries. Who gets what? I, I will, we'll see. If, if I had to ask FIFA to do the right thing, I'll be like, ah, let's give them a, let's see what happens. I just think it's a little bit too much, right? So then pick, where would you go, right? Would you, would you go to Latin America or you go to Europe? And then what if you don't want to go to Morocco for group games? It's just, it's, it's just weird. It's a farce. <laughs> it's not weird. Let's see a video. Not fast. <laughs> no, uh, my, my back, my back is a mess. I've got a lot of stuff behind me, but that's fine. Uh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, World Cup uh, hosting is now a participation trophy. You know, you can get it. Everyone gets one. You get one. You get one. You get one. Everyone gets one. You know, it's it doesn't make any sense because um, if it was three countries, you could say, okay, we'll put some groups here. We'll put some groups here. We'll put some groups here, and then you all come and maybe play um, some. Um, knockout games closer to each other, but they're gonna have three kickoff, three kickoff games, opening games in South America, and then they'll all shift across. So the South American teams that played in South America now have some home advantage. Then they'll travel to play three, four, maybe ten days later, because and then the whole world will be waiting for them because they need time because it's a whole different. Uh, time zones, a whole different hemisphere. The whole idea of playing the World Cup in one location or close to each other was because everyone plays in the same environmental conditions in a short period of time. No one has, you know, different set of atmospheric conditions. So that alone makes it a fast because if Argentina, if, if you play now Uruguay, Bolivia, which have um, a far different altitude, high elevation, exactly yeah, high compared elevation to Morocco, yeah. it's quite different. It's totally different. You've played a totally different World Cup, so it's fine if they want to host it around three countries or six countries. Also makes it weird because you have six automatic qualifiers. Automatic. Okay, yeah, they're going to increase the World Cup. I don't know if it's 28, 30, they're going to increase to 48 games, which, of course, now also means World Cup qualification is also now a participation trophy. <laughs> so what all FIFA is doing now is trying to maximize income. But you've got to think about player health and other things because it doesn't make sense. If i got to wake up at, for example, 9 p.m. to watch games in uh, Argentina, then in the same World Cup, i got to wake up I gotta 
watch games at 3 p.m. Is it the same walk-up? So, no, no, that's just... It doesn't that's make yeah, sense. Yeah, and then yeah. which broadcaster takes the rights? Because broadcasters are yeah, the rights for a time slot. That's right. Yeah, the that makes sense. Yeah. So they're probably walk up in the morning, in the afternoon, and at night. Yeah, that would mess up their scheduling. You, yeah. Toby, you know, to, to Butchie's point, I have a feeling that the streaming companies of the world will be the one that will bid for this World Cup. So if you're Apple TV or YouTube TV, where you can just dedicate a streaming platform to the World Cup, that's, that, this could also represent a shift from traditional... So the World Cup would just be like a Netflix subscription, where you essentially just, you know, you, you have your YouTube TV and then maybe you pay 20 bucks for the World Cup and it's just streaming on that platform. Because you're right, if you're ESPN or you're... Uh, ABC or one of these channels that could really impact your broadcasting schedule because how do you then you have to move? Yeah, so I won't be surprised if Amazon comes into play and say, you know what, we'll take on the rights, right? We'll just add it on to Amazon TV and we'll just be a, a separate streaming uh, service that they offer. It will be a way for them to boost their streaming revenue. So it could be a shift too. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those large companies are also pulling the strings on this. So that would be. That'll be to, to be seen. Because yeah, you're right. It's not suited for traditional broadcasting nations uh platforms at all. Yeah. yeah but they, it's need, also, they need the money. Yeah, right. It's also not suited. Oh, go ahead, it's also not suited for sorry, uh for fans. Of course, we have suckers, you, man. We, you we don't do want to go. No, yeah, but you gotta think about the guys that go to like when Japan and South Korea co-hosted, people were able to jump between the two countries because they're quite close to each other. So the guys that want to experience the World Cup, you know, that's really, you know, the guys that join that bandwagon, they're going to fly. For example, if you're if you're if you're from an African nation, and you got to play Argentina or Uruguay, you got to fly to Uruguay with Nigerian team, play that game. Then let's say the, the rest of the games are in Morocco, you got to fly back to Morocco. Instead of just making one flight and staying in one place, you gotta fly back. So it's not fair. It's not, I, but guess what? I'm not saying it won't work because Dada, you hit the nail on the head. The money's on TV. Uh, so go ahead, Toby. Sorry for the. Uh, no, no, no worries. I was just wondering. You know, every World Cup, you see, and let's take the American audience. You see, ABC, NBC, all these guys. They go set up like live broadcasting commentary. They, they pay fans, they pay pundits to go and give coverage, give insights, interview players. Then, then you have the Al you have the Al Jazeera, you have all the the, the the Arabic nations do the same thing. The African comes do the same thing. BBC will do the same thing. You know, you have them, Gary Neville, all of them with. So, who's going to own all that? <laughs> like, at some point, they have to pick and choose. And when's their audience going to watch it, right? Because they're all trying to bring it to their own home audience that, okay, you know, BBC will have this for the UK audience, is on this time. You know, the Americans will have it for the American audience. And I, 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 I don't know, man. It's. Toby, so the, the workaround to that. So I was going to say, the workaround to that, what they might do is they might do a joint partnership. So if you are a South American broadcaster, what you just do is you sell the rights of your own broadcasting to uh, ABC, and then you just do a partnership between Europe. So I think that's how they work around it. So rather than you send your entire crew, you just send maybe one American there uh, to kind of like whoever is doing the thing in Brazil, and they'll just do a joint partnership where they'll they'll buy the rights to their own 
Yeah. I mean, it's not going to be fun, but I, mean, <laughs> I don't think people cares. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Let me take a comment quickly. Uh, Henry says, not a fan of it. Uh, Asha says, it also allows fans of other teams to attend the non-popular games. Uh, uh, forget player health. You guys have been talking about it non-stop, but the same players have not been taking care of themselves. Compare Hazard or Reese to the table. See what I was here. Please post Genetic. your name behind your Genetic. camera. Okay. What's the difference? Yeah, that comment came from another Yeah, yeah but let me, let me answer that quickly. Um, people like to use exceptions sometimes yeah. to justify the, you know, out of the ordinary. They go and look at, but the exception never becomes the norm. For every hazard, and Jared, uh, uh, sorry, and um, Cristiano Ronaldo, Reese, Thiago Silva, they're your average Van Dijk, um, John Terry, Vidic, Puyo, guys that 35, 36, they're done. Yes, the guys like Modric, they come and go, but they're not the norm. And then when people bring up the worst cases of these guys, like Sir Hazard, because he was in discipline, he's not taking care of himself. But players never took care of themselves. It's always happened. A few players never did. But the average footballer now is far fitter and far much disciplined. And committed to the sport than ever before. So these same players don't take care of themselves is unfair. Players do, they generally do. They take care of themselves, yeah. yeah, they just that like, the game has improved so much in pace and that it's and there's too many games, there's too much travel. It's That's just the true. truth. I think there's just yeah. Many. Yeah. yeah. I'm not against um I'm not against opening the game up. What we are trying to understand sometimes as fans is why do we need a new football tournament every year when most of them are still perpetrating the problems that always happen which was the few guys always tend to win it the game is not totally if you're trying to open the game up and balance it out it's let regional competitions play in off years every four years is a walk up try and convince everyone every other person to play uh the odd uh, year after the World Cup, like the same summer, everyone plays a Euro, an African tournament, a nation tournament. Then guys rest because they're still an Olympics, yeah. and they're still young. You know, like so. But <laughs> I don't think of it if there's if it's possible, these guys will stop um, fighting for games. But we'll see what happens because everyone wants a piece of this pie. Okay, we're at fifteen minutes, so I don't want to breeze through this because I I feel like this is probably a breeze through top. We're just gonna breeze through topic. Who is who is your Ballon d'Or and best under twenty one? Just everybody can just mention theirs and why. I think it's very simple. Um, Dada, always call me first now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, under twenty one, uh, that's Jibilliam. Yeah. Uh, Ballon d'Or, um, Messi, I guess. I'm happy you, you gave him his credit. Uh, Toby. He guessed. He didn't say for sure. Um, <laughs> Ballon d'Or is Messi. He, he deserves it. Under 21, I'm going to go with Saka. Mm. I don't I think he'll win it. I don't think he's on, he's, not on the list. he's on the list of Ballon d'Or. He's not on the list of 21. Why? Yeah. He's not on 21. He's a, he's, I think he's already... He's passed it now. He's passed, he's passed uh, it now. Golden boy, yes. 
Okay, well then I'll give it to Jude. Oh, what's that? What's that? No, what's Gabby? What's that guy in Gabby Barcelona? Barcelona. No, I'll give nominees. nominees about the Bellingham, Kamavinga, the popular nominees. Balde, Bellingham, Kamavinga, Gabby, Hoyland, Musiala. How about Musiala? How, how did Hoyland get on the list? Hey, he's good, man. How about Musiala? Musiala. Nine uh, goals. Wait, wait. He got on the list with nine goals in the season. He's one of the highest goal scorers in the Euro qualifiers. Yeah. Who? Like Holland? Top four, five. Yeah, he's just like yeah. twenty. Yeah, it's, it's fine. He had nine goals in his in his pro in his in his pro league. Um, yeah. please give it to Gavi because that has already said Bellingham. <laughs> That's my vote. Ah, it's Bellingham. If you wanted to drag someone else, you probably drag uh, Musiala. That's about it. Uh, it's messy. I'm very old school. You win the World Cup, best player in the World Cup. MVP is better than Team Effort Champions League victory. I mean, yeah, he's he's not the reason they won it, by the way, Haaland. He's not the main reason they won it. The other guy stepped up. He was, you know, so-so in the Champions League, to be fair, the knockout stages. Postseason, yeah. Haaland yeah. had it. He faded, so he he's not the best. He wasn't the best player in that tournament. The champ, they they won the, they were gonna win the league anyway. With or without it, it's uh, you know. I don't think I don't think he should have won the league without Haaland, though. Yeah, I I, I, I don't to... think they would have won the league without Haaland. That's fair enough. I think they would have won champions without Haaland. They, they could yes because of yes. Champions League, yes. Because yeah, he, 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 I don't think they would have won anything without that guy last season. It's not just his goals. It's what he does to the defenders that allows the other people to play as well. Like That's So true. he may not score, but you know how is on the pitch. You are you put two men on him or you're focused just on just put fear. Fear in you. Yeah. Fear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, That's right. Uh, my pick is easy. Everybody knows. Messi, six, you know. Best player in the World Cup, three goals and assists in all competition. That's man. guys, sixty-three. That's crazy. Let's put some respect on Leo Messi's name. Um, at eight thirty-five, Bellingham, I think. I think Gabi comes a close second, or Pedri, either or. And uh, Pedri was injured a lot, so I'll say Gabi. Gabi comes a close second. It was the main reason that Barcelona won the like Yeah. So, uh. Kudos and donkey. And my kudos is going to be more. I think I posted it for the pod. It's a tribute to Sir Bobby Charlton. Uh, only one Sir Bobby. My opinion, the greatest British or English footballer of all time. Um, three Premier League titles, or I guess called old English titles. One FA Cup, one European Cup, one World Cup. He was part of the Bosby Bay, one of the few survivors of the Bosby Bay crash in '58. Came back, was part of the Refuge United. Won the league title, won the Champions League. First English club to win Champions League at that time. Yeah, British first English club. So yeah, Bobby Charlton tribute. I think he, they didn't say the cause of his death last days ago. It was like or yesterday, but everybody suspects it's his dementia that he was diagnosed with from 2020. So mm-hmm. that's my kudos, uh, Bobby Charlton. Memories living for sure. Um, anybody else kudos? Yeah, I think you speak for me too. Okay. Just wanted to add much today. Toby, who's your favorite this week? Yeah, I mean, I just because I'm an Arsenal fan, I'll probably give it to um, Trossard. 
but um, it's not like that game was spectacular. I mean, our opponents are noisy neighbors who uh, who came to play a bruising game and sit back and just gum up the work. So I'll still give it to Trossard, though. Okay. No, no. <laughs> Don't get caught up. To Take the bait. Uh, my my kudos will go to uh, Pochettino. Cucurella? Are you? Uh, no, not Cucurella. I mean, Cucurella has been deserving of a lot of kudos. Actually, that's my my daughter's favorite uh, Chelsea player, Cucurella. So I'm I'm happy he's, he's, he's playing playing much better now because she's always liked him. Because it would have sucked if our best player is horrible and not playing. But uh, yeah, Pochettino, I think he did well this week, uh, setting up the play as well. Those individual errors, I don't know if it's down to coaching, but yeah, I like what I see. Okay. So are you Pochettino in, just for the record? Me? I've always been pro Pochettino, bro. Oh, I, I, did, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know. I was just What asking. do you mean? I don't play the games you play, man. No, no, no I didn't know. I'm just asking. No, I'm not why like so you. defensive? Why are you so sensitive? Dude, simple question. Don't let your trauma come out so much. It's just a simple question. Are you Pochettino in? No. Yes you or no? Now. You used to support PSG now. I didn't know. So, yes, you are Pochettino. You know, let me you just used to support down. PSG and it was your manager? Pochettino. Are you still size lord in or, or? Always size. Dude, look at the name, bro. I'm not like size you, man. I don't switch sides. Uh, hey, do you remember last season when this guy was you switched from Bowley last season? <laughs> from where? There's so many posts me. on Facebook where you were like me. Dude. I've always been size long. Don't kill the week. Don't kill the week. So what? Who's the donkey of the week? Dada. Let's let's just um, I was gonna say Arsenal fans for thinking I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, you know what? I, I mean Sanchez, really, like I felt like even though that goal was not 100% him, it could have done better. So I felt like Sanchez for me. Toby, the donkey of the week. Oh, that's a rough Ateta. one. No, no, no. I mean, coaches don't always get it right perfectly. I'm not going to blame Ateta for anything here. Donkey of the week is probably the Arsenal fans that were shouting Ramsdale's name um, when, when, when Raya made that one mistake. Like Ramsdale didn't just make a mistake three weeks ago against Fulham. So um to me that's just stupidness. Like you don't you don't you don't insult your own players when they're on the game and create more narrative for them, Gary Neville's who are looking for a narrative on Arsenal to talk about because that's all they can talk about. No, it's you not don't give them off you. Please. No, it's true. It's true. Let's, let's be honest. Beginning of the season. No, no, I know he said that, but I'm saying like the media always needs a narrative on the game. Oh, yeah. So they've come up with this Raya Ramsdale thing and they're making it a big issue. And even when Raya Ramsdale was celebrating a Raya save, what that idiot in Liverpool, Carragher went to say he was faking it up to the point that Ramsdale's dad had to get upset with Carragher. I was like, stop it. Like, you're just being an idiot. I know you're a pundit, but, but shut up. So my own donkey of the week is the Arsenal fans that were shouting for Ramsdale in the middle of a game against Chelsea. Yeah, my my donkey of the week is the referees again. Every another week, another controversy. It's getting ridiculous. Referees make mistakes, but what we actually ask is for consistency of some things. If you're going to make a mistake in a game, a major mistake, make it for both sides. If you're going to send Ashley Cole off. 
I'm sorry, Ashley Young off. You got to send Konate off. Yeah. It's just a very straightforward matter. You can't give the guy, this guy, a second chance after you already sent someone off. This is it's, it's getting ridiculous to the point that you know I've, referees never face uh, they don't seem to face too much uh, what do you call it uh, consequences for some of their actions they give we give them too much leeway so if we're gonna give them that much leeway then we need to help them and you know we don't know this thing about red, yellow card should not be reviewable if it's a yellow card offense it should be ref should be told especially when the guy should be sent off but you know. Can I add something? Yes. I think, okay, no no jokes aside, the EPL has the worst referees in the world, and it's not going to change until they scrap. I know I was teasing Liverpool fans for carrying PGMO's head up, but the fact is that institution is corrupt from top to bottom. It's a good old boys club. They protect one another. They're not professional. They need to go because we all watch World Cup. We all watch Champions League game. We all watch Euros, and these people can get it right. There's no reason why EPL should have the best product and have the worst referees. So until that changes, we'll be discussing this like literally every week. There'll be no consistency. They'll they'll change how they referee the game. They'll change when VR intercepts it. They'll release new guidelines. They'll make excuses for their friends. They'll stand down people for one week and then bring them back and not tell you what guidelines they put in place. Well, EPL is going to be full of controversy until someone just says, KPMG needs to audit you people for your corruption and you all need to go. Because we can go and hire referees. Like, why can't EPL just pay a contract to to Spanish referees or whatever and say, top referees, come and referee here? It's, we're the best product. We have the most earnings. We pull all the best referees from all the world. Same way we pull yeah. all the players and get rid of all these English referees that can't do anything. If you, if you notice, um, it's because uh, you it, it can't do that because technically it's like the same way you can't transfer kids because you can just go and buy the best kids at nine year old, nine years old. But FIFA makes it harder. You, the parents have to move. You know, yeah. FAs train referees. There's a scarcity of ref in every country because most kids take up refereeing as a second option so you don't expect the fa in spain the spanish fa to train up a referee get him up and he becomes a good professional and he now moves to england his prime why not yeah, how, they do for how, how did how no, the no. english referees go to study everybody to referee no but they read no they were only going and coming yes. back, they still walking. That's fine. Let them go and come back every Sunday. Yeah. Saturday. No, but every that. Sunday the Spanish league has to hold. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, those guys go during the week. Yeah. So I well, think. Now, it's... Well, now, well, now. Top of the hour. Uh, uh, my donkey is the Man City fans that were singing songs, mocking, Sabobi shouting, and Munich air disaster. Uh, I know Man City as a club have apologized or trying to track them down, but yeah, that's just terrible. I mean, come on now. Yeah, we know we're rivals, but like this, 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 we should draw a line. So that's where we end the pod. We've come to the end. OG Gunner, Size Lord, Dada, Fasi, Henry, Asha in the comments, everybody. Thanks. And we are out. All right.